One of the things I love about being a part of Milton Bible Church is to hear the God stories that are happening around us. And uh, it was great to hear Colleen's story. I trust that God is doing things in your life and in creating fresh God stories for you. I would love to hear more of those God stories of what God is doing, especially during this very unusual time in the life of our country and our community during this time of COVID. So please feel, feel free to share those with me. I, I would love to hear from you on that. Well, it's Celebration Sunday. It's a day that we celebrate the goodness and the wonder of the living God. And one of the things that we are going to be looking at over the next several weeks is the fact that God bring, comes into our life and does transformational things that change us forever. And it's so important that we see Jesus clearly. Because when we see Jesus clearly in what he is doing, it brings transformation to us. I mean, how many of you remember the transformational moment? Some of you, October 14th, you celebrated the fifth anniversary of the Jose Batista bat flip. Or maybe is unforgettable that game-changing moment when Kawhi Leonard on May 12th sunk that uh, basketball at the game seven right at, right at the buzzer that kind of seemed to bounce all over the rim and finally go in. You know, Ray Kroc of McDonald's fame had his transformational moment when he came to the realization that it wasn't about hamburgers, it was about real estate. And Copernicus had his transformational moment when he realized that the universe did not revolve around the earth, but the earth revolved around the sun. And Colleen Priesner's transformational, transformational moment was when she was able to meet her birth mom uh, for the first time, spend time with her, and her life was changed forever. We all, need transfer, uh, tr we all need a transformational moment when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. That meeting Jesus and seeing him clearly for who he really is, it becomes transformational. It changes us forever. But let's face it, none of us have seen him physically. None of us have seen him walk down the street or perform a miracle live or heard his teaching in person. For many of us, we have to rely on the testimony and the witness of people like Matthew, Mark, John, Peter, James, and others. But the question I have for you today is this, do we have a clear picture of him? Do we have a clear picture of him? Because it is seeing Jesus clearly that brings transformation in our lives. Seeing Jesus clearly brings transformation in our lives. And so we're going to look at a passage that is going to help us with that. We're going to look at two realities that we need in order to find spiritual sight. So if you have a Bible, I would love for you to turn to Mark chapter 8. And in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 26, I am going to read uh, kind of the key passage that we're going to study today. We're going to look at some others as well. 
But in Mark chapter 8, 22 to 26, Jesus begins to reveal himself fully to his disciples, and they begin to see him more clearly. It says in verse 22, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man, and they begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. Now, in that passage that I just read, did you notice anything odd? Did you notice anything different? Did you notice anything that maybe would make you scratch your head at what Jesus did? What do you think? What did you hear? It was something that had never happened before. Do you know what it was? Jesus touched the man twice. Twice. All the times before that, Jesus had touched people, he had prayed for them, he had healed them, and it was instantaneous. Never before had it been twice. So what's going on here? Why did it need to happen twice? Why did Jesus need to touch him twice? What is going on? Like, what is so important here? Jesus takes his disciples to Bethsaida. And a blind man is brought to him. So he takes this blind man out of, the, out of the village and into the country. They're going to have a bit of privacy with his disciples. What does Jesus do? He spits in the man's eyes, both eyes. Yuck. Poor guy, he didn't see that coming. All right, that's a bad joke. <clears throat> but, what, but why did that happen? He asked the man, what do you see? And the man says, I see people, but they're like trees walking. He sees, but he doesn't see clearly. He sees, but he doesn't see what is actually there. So what does Jesus do? He touches the man's eyes again. And when he opens them, the man can see clearly. And the question is, why twice? Why does Jesus need to touch him twice? Well, we're going to answer that question in just a few minutes. But before we do, uh, we're going to figure out kind of, uh, we're going to look at a bit of background because it's going to help us understand that. So one of the things you have to, we have to understand that beginning at Mark chapter 1, if we go all the way back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we understand that first of all, Jesus is about 30 years old. He comes to the river, uh, and, and John the Baptist baptizes him. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. Next thing that happens, Jesus goes into the desert. He is tempted by Satan. He defeats Satan. He comes out of the desert filled with the Holy Spirit. He immediately begins to heal. He, he heals um, a leper. He heals Simon's mother-in-law. He preaches 
in and out of synagogues, all throughout Galilee. He heals another person who is a leper. And uh, so he heals, he does miracles, he teaches uh, and, and with authority. And what we find in Mark chapter 1 is just jam-packed of all the things that Jesus is doing. And that is what is, has happened. Right from Mark chapter 1 all the way to Mark chapter the end of Mark chapter 7, it is jam-packed, non-stop action that the disciples have been involved in. In fact, they see him feed the 5,000. Then they see him feed the 4,000. Then they hear his words as they are out in a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. They're afraid for their life. And what happens? Jesus speaks and he calms a storm. And they look at him and they say, who is this? That even his words would calm the wind and the waves. So up until this point, they're traveling with Jesus. It's been months. They've seen all of these happen, these things happen and more. And now what is happening in this passage, in Mark chapter 8, we see Jesus move his ministry and the focus of his ministry from the crowds to the disciples. And he's beginning to help them understand who he is. And so he, what he wants to do is he wants them to see him more clearly. So they journey to Bethsaida, where only one thing happens. This miracle where Jesus heals a blind man. And at this point, Jesus isn't addressing the crowds but as I said, he's turning his attention to the disciples. Jesus has brought them there for a reason. Now, D. Edmund Hebert, in his marvelous commentary by Moody Press on the book of Mark, he says this. He says, these disciples had no idea that Jesus was about to walk them into a parable about their own lives. This is why this miracle is in two stages. Because this miracle is about them. So I want to look at Mark chapter 8, verses 14 to 18. Because I think this is going to help us understand even more the context. So Mark chapter 8, verses 14 to 18. And this is what it says. It says, now they had forgotten uh, to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And what Jesus had done, he gathered his disciples. He said, hey, we're going to go across the sea. Uh, so let's get together. And uh, they meet and they jump in the boat. And they find out that they had forgotten to bring bread. They only had one loaf of bread with them, it says in verse 14. So verse 15, and he cautioned them saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisee and the leaven of Herod. And they begin discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Or are your hearts hardened? Having your eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? What Jesus says is a couple of things. They're having this discussion about bread. So Jesus, just like he you know, does quite regularly, he takes a common object and he brings a spiritual lesson to it. So what he says is this. 
Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. You know, beware of the leaven of Herod. Now, leaven in the Bible, um, and leaven in real life, leaven is used to make the bread rise, to go from small to big. And leaven in the Bible is almost always used as a symbol of evil that starts small and it grows large and it, it infects many. And Jesus is saying, watch out. He's saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and beware of the leaven of Herod. What's he saying? He's saying to them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, those who are religious leaders, and beware of the leaven of Herod, those who are political leaders, that they don't shape your view of Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's saying, beware that as I begin to teach you how to see me me more clearly, to have a, a fuller revelation of who I am, Make sure that it does not get twisted by religion, by politics, by culture, by, you know, even your upbringing. What I want you to do is I want you to see me. I want you to be influenced and fully understand who I am because you see me. Now the disciples, they begin to argue. Whose fault is this that we only have one loaf of bread? They say to themselves, Jesus is talking about bread because because we forgot it. You know, he's just kind of ticked off at us. He's upset with us. And I can imagine the conversation of the disciples. You know, one of them is saying, hey, listen, man, I'm the oldest. I don't have to bring the bread. That guy over there, you guys, you younger guys, you should have brought bread. Or maybe somebody else could have said, listen, dude, I have no idea how to bake bread. My mom does that. And so I have no, I'm not responsible for baking the bread. And then, you know, maybe someone else, you know, might have said something like, um, I was chosen first out of all of these 12. And so as the person who is first and foremost and, as the, and, and closest to Jesus, I, you know, it's not my responsibility to bring the bread. I don't know what they were saying, but the point was they were arguing about it. And Jesus, he gets frustrated. He gets frustrated at at this argument. And he says, have you no eyes to see? Have you no ears to hear? Have you no mind to understand? And then he asked him a question. He said, you know, when we fed the 5,000, how many baskets of food were left over? And they said, 12. And when we fed the 4,000, how many baskets of food were left over then? And they said, Seven And the scripture says that these were fully laden baskets. And so what he's saying to them is why are you fixated on the bread when the bread maker is right in front of you? Why are you fixated on this issue when the person who solves the issues is right in front of you? And so let me ask you something. What is the bread in your life right now? What is the bread that is distracting you from seeing a fuller revelation of who Jesus is? What is it? Is it your career? Is it family issues? Is it your marriage and maybe the tension that is in there because you're spending too much time together, you know, in this... uh, time of COVID, you know, maybe it's just, um, what, what, what did uh, people are calling pandemic weariness, 
or fatigue, they're, they're calling it. Um, what, what are the things that are keeping you up at night that are causing you anxiety? Let me ask you, what is the bread that's in your life right now that's distracting you from seeing Jesus fully? You know, I don't know how many times over the years I've heard people say to me, you know, and people that say these things to me, you know, they're from all kinds of different backgrounds. Some of them are Pentecostals, some Baptists, some Lutherans, some Brethren, some Presbyterian, you know, some Independent. Um, you know, it doesn't seem to matter what kind of church background they have, but they say things to me like this, and over the years I've heard it so many times. They say, you know what, I grew up in a church-going religious home. I had Christian believers. I have Christian believers even in my family. In fact, my parents were very devout. And maybe they say, you know, my mom, she went to church every Sunday. And when I was little, she took me to church with her every Sunday. But somehow as I grew up and I went off to university or I began to work, I began to get distracted, and then I discovered weekends, and I got really distracted. And right now, I'm at the stage of life where I need to put some things straight and to figure out parts of my life. And what you're telling me, Jim, is the answer is Jesus. And what I'm telling you is I've tried that been there, got the t-shirt, and it hasn't worked. At least it hasn't worked for me. And do you know what I think Jesus would say to this person or that person? What I think Jesus would say is this, that you have had an experience, but you haven't been transformed. You see Jesus but you don't see him clearly. You see him vaguely. You see him out of focus, but you need to see him clearly. I'll tell you the, what, you, what you see is you see people like trees walking. Listen, we need to be transformed. It was a powerful moment and can you imagine the disciples? They're, sitting, they're, they're standing there and they're watching this thing and they're saying to themselves, why is Jesus touching this man twice? Why is Jesus needing, this has never happened before. Jesus is touching this guy twice. You know, what is going on? Why didn't, didn't it work the first time? Is he losing his power? Maybe he didn't spit enough. You know, why, why, why did he need to do it twice? And I can imagine they're asking themselves these questions because it's something they'd never seen or experienced. And you know what Jesus is saying to them? He's saying to them, listen, guys, you see this guy who doesn't see clearly? That's you. That's you. You see vaguely. You see out of focus. You have seen something and you've experienced something. But guess what? You don't. See me for who I am. Jesus walked them right into it. 
And he said, see that blind person? That's you. That's you. You think you've been transformed because you've seen some things or you've had some experiences? Well, you haven't. You see only vaguely. Now, you may say to yourself, you know what? I really know Kyle Lowry, the best point guard in the NBA. And you may, sit, you may, and you may know a lot about him. I mean, you may know his college stats. You may even know his high school stats from his playing days in Philadelphia. You may know his wife, wife's name or the name of his son, Carter, or maybe even his favorite uh, uh, flavor of ice cream. But the truth is, you really don't know him. In fact, you probably haven't ever been in the same room as him unless you are talking about being at the Scotiabank Arena on game day. You know a lot about him, but you really don't know him. You need a greater revelation. Or maybe you have a favorite female vocalist, and you know where she was born, and you can look up to see if she's in a relationship, and you know how many Grammys she's won, and you know wh- where, where she grew up, and you know, you know where that tattoo, or what that tattoo is, but you know, that's on her right, you know, or her left forearm. Uh, you know, you may know a lot about her, but you don't know her. And for many who have some kind of Christian background, one day you will stand before Jesus. And you will say, listen, I went on a missions trip in your name. I played in the church band in your name. I gave money in your name. I prayed for people in your name. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. Wow. Depart from me, I never knew you. You see, if Jesus is not in full focus in our lives, if we don't see him clearly, we will never be transformed. Coming to Jesus is all about transformation. You cannot come to Jesus and leave saying, I see people, but they're like trees walking. That won't help us for all eternity. We must see Jesus for who he is, who he really is, and we must see him clearly. So can you imagine being the guy who kind of is sort of healed? You know, I mean, he's standing there and he, he's touched by Jesus and he's, he's seeing something, but he's not seeing it clearly. And Jesus asks him, what do you see? And he says, well, I see people, you know, but I see them like trees walking. I love this guy. He's honest. He's saying, I see, but I don't really see very well. I mean, he's completely honest in what he is saying. He needed a greater revelation of who Jesus was. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, see that guy? That is you. That is you. So Jesus touches him again. And then he can fully see. So let me ask you a question. Do you need a fresh revelation of Jesus in your life? Do you need a greater revelation of who he is and what he has done and what he is all about? 
and, what, and how that can transform you. Well, the first thing we see is that being with Jesus is about transformation. And the second thing we see is this, transformation comes through correct revelation. That's when we see Jesus for who he really is. So let's see what happens next in this transformational story. Look at Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 30. Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 30. The disciples, they've left Bethsaida. They're walking. They're going to their next destination. And it says, and Jesus went, uh, verse 27, Mark 8. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Jesus is on his way. They're walking down the road and they're chatting. And so Jesus asks his disciples two questions. And the first question he asks is, who do people say that I am? And their response is, people are saying that you're Elijah. People are saying you're John the Baptist. People are saying you're one of the prophets. And what they're doing is they're putting Jesus in a very elite group. I mean, these are words of honor. These are words of, of you're, you know, you're spectacular. You're uh, among one of the greats of, uh, of, of our faith is what they're saying. I mean, they're doing him great honor. And then Jesus asked the second question, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now it's understand, it's important to understand that Christ means Messiah. It means savior. It means the one who would come to redeem his people and what Jesus is doing, he's about, he's trying to get them to see that the forefront of who he is will be the cross. The forefront of what he does is redemption. And Jesus will go to the cross and he will die in order to save his people from their sin. That is who he is. That is what he does. That is who we must see clearly as the most important thing in the full revelation of Jesus Christ. That's who he's trying to get them to understand that he is. But the deal is this, people want bread, don't they? They wanted a savior that would take them out of Roman oppression. I mean, can you imagine the deal that Jesus would be? Here's a guy who could feed thousands from a couple loaves of bread and a few fishes. Here's a guy that can heal people that are wounded in battle. Here's a guy that can speak and motivate and stir people up. Here's a guy that can do things that are supernatural that nobody else can do. Here's a guy that would make a marvelous military leader. And he would solve all our societal problems. And Jesus says, you don't see me. You don't see me. 
You don't see me for who I am, and you don't know me. But you need to know me, and you need to be transformed. Once the disciples begin to have a correct revelation of who Jesus was, he begins to teach them the way of the cross and the path of salvation. Look what it says in verse 31. In verse 31 of Mark chapter 8, it says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. That's the revelation that Jesus brings about himself. So let me ask you a question as we kind of wrap up. Very simple. Have you received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you come to the full revelation of who he is and realization that we need to bend the knee, that we need to receive him as Savior, that we need to understand that his death on the cross was was what made right the path for us to come to the Father and to find forgiveness and to find new life in him. Jesus will go on in a couple chapters later, Mark 10, verse 45, and he says this, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In John chapter 1, it says, And to all who believed, believed on his name, all who received him, to them he gave power to be called the children of God. That's where it starts. That's where it begins. We cannot, we're only going to see Jesus vaguely until we get to that point of complete and total surrender, complete and total acceptance and reception of who the God-man is who the Christ is, who the Messiah is, who the Savior of the world is, and what he has done for us. That's where it begins. That's where it starts. And frankly, the cross should stay at the front. Second question I, I want to ask you, if you, you know, you, maybe you've been a Christian for a while, and some of the passion has kind of seeped out or leaked out or maybe you've got distracted and maybe there's bread in your life. Maybe there's things that are making you anxious, things that are, are weighing you down, things in which you are saying, you know what, I just, I've lost focus. Jesus really, I, he's just not in focus. The Christ, the Redeemer, the one who came to save mankind. And maybe it's time to come to God and come clean. And just say, Lord, I am out of focus, man. I am staring at the bread, and I have missed the fact that the bread maker is standing right in front of me. And why don't we come before the Lord and just say, I just want to see you for all you are. Right today, right now, I am in need of a fuller revelation of Jesus in my life. I am in... I am in desperate need of you, Lord. So come, 
reveal yourself fully to me. Let me celebrate you, Redeemer, Messiah, Savior, the one who came to restore me to the Father and let me walk in the fullness of life in that relationship with you. Maybe today, that is the day, today's the day that that needs to happen. What a great day. What a great celebration Sunday that would be. I'm going to close in prayer. And I just ask you to bow your head. I just ask you to, in the quiet of this moment, to, to just to, to, to be honest with God. You know, like the guy who said, I, I can see, but I, I, I don't see clearly. And let the Lord of glory reveal himself fully to you. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you for the very clear revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you for Mark who was there and who saw these things and knew exactly what was happening, not at the time, but later on revealed, oh yeah, that is what you were showing us. And so, Father, I pray that if anyone who's listening, has not received you as Savior, I pray that even now that they would do that, that this would be their game-changing, life-transformational moment where they would say, I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you bore my sin, that you were buried for three days and rose again and ascended into heaven and are with, and are with the Father now. I place my faith in you. I see you, my Savior Jesus. I see you, I see you, my Christ, my Messiah, the Son of the living God. Oh Father, I must confess that I've lost sight of who Jesus is. And I've got distracted, and there's lots of bread in my life going on. Lots of things that I just, I'm just, I, I just need Jesus again. So why not in this moment just pray, let me see Jesus. Let me see Jesus in all his glory, in all his beauty, my Savior, my friend. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, the old song says. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Father, in these next weeks, in these next days, even now, may we see you clearly, and may we be transformed forever. We pray this. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And I hope you were blessed by God's word and uh, uh, looking forward to being together again soon. God bless everybody. Have a great celebration Sunday.